0: Hello and welcome to This Week in CLG, brought to you by the lovely and powerful Spectrum. I am joined with two awesome guests today, two people that I've known for quite some time. I have Holly and Daniel. They're actually both to the right of me. But uh, (laughs) what's up, guys? Um, I know a lot of you guys know Daniel, uh, also known as Tavikens. I'm going to call him Daniel for this whole thing because uh, I've just known him as Daniel or Danny for super long. Uh, and in case you guys don't know who he is, Daniel, do you want to introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, um, currently I'm the L- League of Legends General Manager for CLG, uh, hoping for a good summer split. But yeah, most of you guys probably know me from either Tetris or Smash over the years. Awesome.
0: And Holly, would you like to introduce yourself?
2: Yeah. Hi, I'm Holly. I'm currently the Associate Communications Manager at Ubisoft.
0: Sweet. Yeah, so in case you guys don't know, the topic of discussion today is going to be about the AAPI hate. And really quick, I'll define AAPI in case many of you don't know. And of course, we here are also not professionals in this matter. We're using this to educate ourselves as well as you guys at home. And uh, so yeah, AAPI stands for Asian American and Pacific Islander. And The big reason why we decided to do this episode this week is because uh, about a week and a half ago, I'm sure a lot of you have heard about this, but uh, there were eight murders in Atlanta, Georgia, six of which were targeted to Asians. And this is kind of just a growing topic with the political climate and everything going on. And so we just felt that it was necessary to use this platform this week to talk about these kind of topics. And before we really get into the meat and potatoes of all this, we are going to really quick recap uh, what happened in the last week in CLG. Uh, Also, uh, really quick before I move on to that, any questions that you have for us, you can go ahead and leave them in the Twitch chat here, or you can tweet using hashtag TWCLG, and we'll try to get to your questions at the end. Uh, okay, so last week in CLG, uh, we had the second-place finish in the VCT Game Changers tournament, which was awesome, featuring our new Valorant team. Uh, Holly, Daniel, do you, either of you guys play Valorant, per chance? I sorry, do not. I... You don't? Do you, Daniel?
1: I do not. I'm sorry. I'm afraid.
0: You not oh, That's totally okay. Um... We also got fourth place in ALGS Apex. I believe we were one fight away from winning the whole dang thing. So excellent, excellent try. And we also, uh, had a last chance qualifier, which we won in our LCS Academy. So great work to all of the three divisions that we just talked about. You guys are awesome. Keep at it. So. Uh, getting into the actual topic of today, I think I'd like to start off by asking both of you, um, just a simple question, which can cover a little bit about knowing your experience as an Asian American, but, um, I'll start by saying I'm a second generation, uh, Chinese American, my parents were both born here, um, And my parents are first generation in case you guys don't know what that is. That means, uh, if someone is first generation, that means their parents have immigrated over to here and they were born, uh, here in America. So Holly, Daniel, are you guys first, second, third generation? Uh, we can start with Holly first.
2: Yeah, I, I'm first generation, so thank you to Kevin for clearing that up because I wasn't sure of looking at Google whether first or second generation what the definition was so first generation. Um, I'm Chinese, but my both of my parents and their families are from Vietnam, So they lived in Vietnam, um, but are Chinese so that's that's my background.
1: Sweet. Yeah, and for me, I'm first-generation Korean-American. Uh, both my parents are Korean. I actually did a 23andMe and found out that I'm, like, 100% Korean, which is kind of crazy, I guess. Um, but, yes. yeah, my parents immigrated here in their, like, 20s, and then they moved to California, and then she had me. And
0: yeah. <laughs> sweet, sweet. Did your parents um, come to California, or were they in some other kind of state?
1: Uh, they initially were in Chicago, and then they eventually made their way to California.
0: Okay. Cool, cool. Yeah, Daniel, I know that um, from a very young age, you were a part of a Korean church. And the way that I, I found out about this is actually because you hosted a tournament at one of the Korean churches. Um, <laughs> and I know that you you had ties with that. Um, I'm just kind of curious, what is like your experience in, in that Asian community from such um, a young age? Assuming, assuming you were there from a young age.
1: Yeah, 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 so like we grew up going to like a church growing up and I think just to give context for like Korean people, like the Korean church, like whether you're, you know, very religious or like not really into the whole religious aspects. um, For a lot of Koreans who immigrate, like Korean church is a very reliable spot to meet other Korean people. So it's naturally like this immigrant, immigrant like haven for Korean people. So, um, you know, like we have like our own like kind of like niche of like inside jokes, like our own culture that's been established. So if you talk to like another Korean American who's grown up in that environment, even if they're not from that particular church or even that state, they're probably going to tell you very similar stories of like what it's like to be growing growing up that way. So like, I do view that a large part of my identity, like how I've been brought up, you know, my values, um, are pretty like closely intertwined to like, you know, that, that community of like Korean American, you know, church going people. Mm-hmm.
0: yeah and you said I think offhandedly you mentioned that you you met like people who have grown up to become k-pop stars and whatnot through the church
1: uh yeah like some people like I didn't know at the time because I wasn't really into k-pop like one of them actually was like a k-pop star like my youth group was like 300 kids like in San Jose so chances are one of them was probably gonna get famous somehow <laughs> so, yeah it's a little small okay. interesting fact I have to look cool. up who it was exactly it's my memory fades me
0: Cool, cool. Uh, what about you, Holly? Have, have you had any experience with uh, Asian communities growing up? You know, anything like a church group or something like that?
2: Um, well, I went to elementary, middle school in Milpitas um, at a Catholic school, even though my family is not Catholic, they're Buddhist. Um, so in that school, I think the majority of the students um, were Filipino, actually. So I did grow up with some uh, with a lot of Asian folks around me. Um, but then after that, I went to a public high school in Union City. So that was like a big culture shock for me, um, especially even not not just um, in terms of Asian representation, but uh, even religion. I thought it was like a subject in school. And when I got to public school, I figured I realized there was a lot of other religions. So uh, it was something that was just brand new information. I was really learning how to put together my own personality because, you know, in Catholic private school. Um, you know, basically the same 30 kids from you know first grade to eighth grade. So I was really developing my own personality. And so I think really the the place and the time where I I had a lot of um, Asian folks around me and and a lot of Asian friends were was actually when I went to Sacramento State. Um, and I was in a community service club called Circle K International, and it was just a ton of, of Asian folks, and I have just never felt so comfortable and seen, honestly. Um, it was just one of those things where you don't know what you don't know, I guess. And so it mm-hmm. wasn't until that time where I didn't realize I never had anyone to like trade stories with or um, you know, feel represented in my culture. like they understood things that I didn't have to explain. Um, like I didn't have to explain my food. I didn't have to explain my traditions, things like that. like things like mm-hmm. that you kind of um, I just didn't realize i I didn't have a place for those things until then.
0: That's interesting. Um, I I have had a similar experience um, because I went to uh, an Episcopalian school, just kind of like Catholic, um, and and I was only there for two years. Um, but as you were saying, you know, same group of like twenty five kids that you know, um, there was only one other Asian kid in the class, uh, and then I I eventually went on after that to go to just like a a public school and there were a lot more Asians and one thing that they actually told me I I was hanging out with a lot of first-generation Asian kids um they told me I was whitewashed and you know that like really that like really hurt um and that that's something that like I I really still vividly remember and that's like a a memory from from middle school And, like, I'm wondering, like, have you guys ever been told that you're whitewashed, whether it's from another Asian person or non-Asian?
2: I don't know if I've ever been told I was whitewashed for the term. Um, But the way I've kind of felt like like an outsider or, like, being made to feel like an outsider is, um, like like I said, I'm Chinese, but my family is from Vietnam. So my family, like, they know how to speak. Mandarin, Cantonese, Vietnamese. Uh, My dad also knows other languages just be having been in a refugee camp. Um, But I myself know Hokkien, which is um, a very local dialect. So like normally when, you know, I feel like it's very normal for like, let's say a Chinese person to be approached and ask, oh, you're Chinese, do you speak Mandarin or Cantonese? And my answer would be neither. And then I had to explain. Uh And then they're like, you know, Hokkien is very much like Taiwanese. So they kind of have that connection, but they don't really know what Hokkien is. And so outside of my own family, I don't really have anyone to speak Hokkien to. So it's just something that I know how to speak, but I don't have anywhere to do that with. And so that's kind of how I felt like an outsider or or maybe whitewashed in that way, where I know my local dialect, but I don't know the Chinese language that will help me connect Mm -hmm. with with other folks that, that are Chinese.
0: Yeah, I, I also don't know how to speak Chinese. And that is that is an unfortunate fact of my life. And I wish that my parents had taught me. But alas. Um, Daniel, you speak Korean, right?
1: Um, I do. Um, There's actually a really funny Wong Fu skit that I was thinking about. It's called In Between. Like, I, I think you guys should watch it. Because it that- does tackle that, like, balance between, like, being Asian and, like, white. But I think for me, uh-huh. like... Um, yeah people are gonna identify me as korean american but if i were to go to korea um they're gonna consider me a foreigner right so like i'm not korean enough to be korean but like i do share this experience of you know what it's like to be a korean american it's not quite white right like if i were to go to like alabama or something like i'm not like my experience is going to be really different totally but if I go to Korea, like I can't really relate to their childhood either because I'm not Korean Korean. So it's definitely like an interesting thing. I think we're unique. We have our own face. Like, like if you define the Asian American experience by like Boba and like these kind of pop culture trends we've had growing up, like, I feel like we have our own like little race that isn't quite our respective Asian race that we grew up with, but it's not quite white either.
0: Totally, and and to that point, I think it's it's really interesting because Um, I mean, the three of us live in California here, so we've been able to grow up, like, with other Asian people and other non-Asian people who have been, like, there to see how this kind of, as you were saying, like, this Asian American culture has, like, grown, and I think, um, you know, Asians are definitely known as being, like, very quiet and very reserved, not very show-offy, um, but I do think that this facet of the Asian American experience is like seen as as kind of cool for like other people and they want to like be a part of it and it's interesting like with the explosion of K-pop and whatnot um, the Asian culture is like reaching like quarters of the, the world that it, it could not have previously and I think that's just awesome and also on that note Wong Fu is also a part of the uh, 2000s Asian American experience. If I can just add that little bit. Um, okay, I'm going to shift gears uh, really quick here and to talk about kind of the rhetoric used in the media. And I'm going to go ahead and start with how this was exacerbated by, you know, COVID, and and it didn't help that. Our political leaders in the world were labeling it as, you know, China virus, Wuhan virus, and the worst one is Kung flu, which is just a horrible, horrible pun. Um, But what was, I want to know, and I want to kind of see if I can frame this with your guys' reactions a year ago when these, uh, you know, this political rhetoric was, was at a high. How did you guys feel that that kind of rhetoric was going to affect America and Asian Americans when you had heard it at the time. So we're about a year out from now.
1: Um, I can start. I mean, so like, I think as this was happening, like BLM was happening and I think the hardest thing, and I think I tweeted about this was like having that feeling that your problems aren't as big as someone else's. So you don't really feel right talking about it because like, you look at what, like, Black Americans deal with, like, in BLM, right, they're, they're dying, they're, I mean, the N-word, arguably, you know, definitively is much worse than what an Asian can be called with Kung Fu, like, if you're to weigh the two between, like, the N-word versus, like, Kung Fu, like, like, I don't have, like, word, uh, something to stand on, but, like, oh, like, yeah, like, I feel so offended, like, or this isn't right, but, like, the narrative being about another, you know, demographic made it feel very uncomfortable for me to say something. And I think that's historically, like, I think you brought up the conformity aspects, like if something were to happen to us in childhood, like, um, we're just told to suck it up or like, it doesn't matter. Like, like you just gotta like put your head down and just like overcome these adversaries without like addressing the adversary directly. So I think we've been conditioned to like, just not speak out and like being socially conscious of like what's going on elsewhere. Like just made me go like, yeah, it's like, it sucks, but like. Other people have it worse. So, like, I guess I shouldn't say anything.
0: Yeah, and and also to add on to that, I think culturally this discussion about, um, like, xenophobia and, like, racism towards Asians, like, among Asians ourselves, we are not very experienced in, like, this discussion. I feel like because, as you were saying, like, we're taught to, like, put our head down, kind of suck it up. And I think like other minority groups are much better equipped with with the dialogue. And I think that's also why it's so important to have these kinds of conversations so that, you know, we can uh, we can give that conversation some life. But I'm, I'm going to throw the original question over to Holly uh, with respect to the, the rhetoric.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I totally agreed with both of you that before this just our, our mantra was just to keep our heads down, keep it moving. You know, you have to survive. You have to live your life and do the things you need to do. So you don't necessarily have the mental capacity to uh, like, to approach these topics in the way that they're being shown. And so I think um, going back to your original question of like, what was it like when it was being named as, as like you know, the Chinese virus or a Kung flu, it. I think it was something where it was this. It was very similar. Like I, I didn't have the mental capacity to approach that because it's such a big topic, and I think it's one that sort of snowballed into something before we even knew that it was a big deal. If that makes sense, because um, it wasn't new that, like this, this anti-Asian hate, right? Like, but it's something that came to the forefront because he called it the China virus because even before that there was a lot of these jokes about china being the bad guy but for some reason it just didn't feel real or didn't feel like it was something that i personally could uh tackle if that makes sense like it's mm-hmm. it's such a huge topic and it was so beyond me it was it was politics i didn't understand it was just things that i couldn't grasp like concept wise and i think that made it tough but i think now um especially now that that you know, folks like you uh, and and I are talking about the experience. It's becoming a lot more real, and, and I think it's giving us the words that we need to help describe all of the experiences. And I think that in itself, like I, I know that for myself, like we had a, a listening session at work. Um, I think last week, two weeks ago, and it was just um, the word I I thought about to describe it was just very validating. I just had never had a group to be able to say those words and like to say, describe the things that were happening in that way that made me feel very validated.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. To, to add on to one of the things that you touched base on, um, the, the rhetoric for Asians being like disease carriers, that's like also not something that's new. I, I don't know if you guys remember, but in the mid 2000s, when I was like in middle school or something, there was SARS going on. And that was also like uh, a scare, which was much more contained in Asia. But, but the the media rhetoric uh, in America at the time was still um, really pushing this kind of narrative that Asians are disease holders, which is just just so horrible. God, it it just it makes me so mad. But you know, with with this anger, you can always redirect to have like a meaningful conversation, like the one we're having. And that's that's where we're putting that energy. Um, so I also wanna ask, uh, this is based off of the shootings a week and a half ago. What do you think this means for the future of America? And if you wanna go even deeper, what does this mean for Asian Americans in America throughout? Um, it's
1: a tough question: Who wants to tackle? Yeah, it for yeah, you? yeah. So, I think for us, like, eh, so like this is more of a silver lining take on it. Like, you know, like one of our friends, like, literally got like mugged, bullied, like, harassed, like, and I think it's putting things in a spot where like we're faced. Like, the reality is, it's like we 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 have to, we can't ignore uh, what's like happening to us as like a demographic, like. Before, it's like, oh, like, if somebody says come flu, it's like, ha, 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 okay, like, silly joke, but, like, you can kind of move on from it, but, like, people are getting attacked on the streets and stuff, and, like, it's gone to a point where, you know, maybe some of it's performative, some of it may be genuine, like, at least now, like, discussions are being made by, like, other races, like, that go, like, hey, like, oh, man, like, what you guys are going through sucks, and, like, I think, to Holly's point, that kind of feels validating that for once, like, I feel like we have the space to, like, talk about it, and, yeah, maybe... People down the road, like this is a pessimistic me. Just saying, like maybe in like four months, maybe this all passes and everyone stops talking about it. But at least like for this moment, we can like have this experience of like people, you know, empathizing and realizing that like there's actual like real problems with discrimination against us, like as a demographic. And so like I'm riding this train pretty well. Like I want to like bring awareness and maybe like for people, like if even if it meant that people you know, have these discussions with their friends that they never realize. like, I think that's, like, a victory. Like, I don't expect everybody to, like, become, like, these, like, protesters on behalf of us. But, like, at the very least, like, if, like, everyone at a micro scale, like, learns something new about our experiences, like, I take that as, like, a win. That's totally. What, like, I feel.
2: Yeah, I would say I see, feel very similar. Um It is, like, a very much silver lining, right? Like, at least trying to hoping to see the positivity in it and, everyone is taking this moment to like, as Asians feel validated, but also as allies, if they didn't know that there was a problem before, they definitely do now. And I think that's opened up a lot of space for people to seek out the information. Like, let's say they just didn't know and you know, you don't you don't know what you don't know. So, um, you know, there's a lot of, whenever there's a, a big movement like this or like a big awakening, I would say in like, in terms of information, a lot of people tend to then seek out more information and seek out resources, seek out things to educate themselves. I know um, personally, I've had a lot of um, friends seek out bystander intervention training, which is huge um, just in general, but uh, in light of all of these attacks, I think it's great. But I also think it helps better themselves as people too. Like, just I think for myself personally, I'm a huge, um, I, I'm so afraid of being like that bystander that does nothing. And I think um, just knowing that bystander intervention exists and that now it's. Like, you know, there's there's slots um, for those trainings that are full. And, like, you have to take it, like, three weeks from now. But it's something that I think it's good to see people interested in and, and engaging.
0: So you've uh, you've taken one of these classes before?
2: I haven't, but um, I signed up for one. so okay. uh, And I've heard, like, what I've, I've had a, a co-worker who actually took notes and shared it with the rest of us, which is, I think, super good of her, like, to just share the knowledge.
0: Sweet, sweet. Yeah, I'll have to ask you later about how that went. I'm, I'm pretty interested because like, um, this whole bystander intervention kind of stuff, uh, you know, the gut reaction is to stay out of it, obviously, or maybe even like pull out your phone and document it. Cause that gives people the feeling that they're doing something and, and, and it is in a lot of contexts, but you know, it could be taken a step further. So I'm really interested to hear what that stuff is like and i'll talk to you after that Yeah, um, for sure. so uh the show is almost ending so i want to actually touch base on opening the floor and if you guys want to talk about any like kind of anecdotal things or any you know final messages that you would like to leave for this discussion i would love to hear it any kind of experiences that you guys have had that have given you some clarity or, um, you know, just something that was eye-opening for you. It doesn't have to be recent, can be old, uh, anything at all. No, it's not much of a question, but if you think add.
2: Yeah, I can start. Um, because one of the things that was eye-opening for me um, is that I definitely, like, like you said, we're not the experts. And there's definitely a lot of things that I don't know, especially when it comes to um, history as well. And so one of the things that um, a friend had brought up was um, the idea that, that we haven't had, like, we as Asians haven't had a, a collective moment in which to share our experiences, um, because of su- the the disconnect, even within our, our own Asian group. So like the Chinese experience is so different than from the Vietnam experience, different from Filipino and, and even South Asian, like Indian. Um, that it just was, and like there's also, um, I think, uh, old biases and old um, arguments even within those groups, like inter-Asian conflict, that affected the way that we were or were not able to talk to each other. And I think that was a really interesting concept for me to to learn. Um, it's just how pervasive that was and how mm-hmm. that contributed.
0: Yeah, it's great to have some, you know, I out of everything that's happened, I do feel like a much stronger sense of unity between other Asians. Um, Because there's there's so many different demographics of Asian, as you said, but being able to unify under some kind of rally or just some kind of idea is very, very empowering. Daniel, were you going to share something as well?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think uh, like... I think Holly, like your nuance of like what defines an Asian-American is like really complicated, right? Like there's a bunch of people, like not only is it based on the country we're from, but like socioeconomically, like we have a bunch of different things about us that like are different. Like not every Asian person's rich, not like, um, there's so many little things and like, it's complicated. Right. But, um, I think we're all like figuring this out, like we're even discovering like ourselves what like this all means to us like and like we're gonna make mistakes and that's fine but like i think as long as like we all like learn like and we like keep progressing towards that like i think like it puts us in a better spot like we're it's messy um like there's always gonna be conflict like that's how culture is like everybody grows up differently but like being able to figure that out together is what's gonna bring us like closer together that's like the way i like kind of view all this
0: yeah, I feel that. I I think the the most important thing that you touched on there is that it's going to be messy and there's no like clear path for it. But I think you know discussions like these are how we can kind of help lay that path out and help other people get educated for stuff like this and um, you know just be able to open this dialogue up and and especially for you know, if, if you're a viewer right now, and you have an Asian friend, and you would just like some questions, you should ask them about their experience. I, I really, I really uh, want to emphasize that it's it's not an uncomfortable topic to talk about your experience as as an Asian, uh, just as an outright blanket statement. Um, and it's, it's actually very validating to have someone that wants to hear about your life and your ancestry and things like that. So yeah, really awesome stuff. Uh, Before, before we end, uh, we're going to review for this upcoming week in CLG. Um, I believe we've got some cool stuff. Uh, (laughs) And producer band, do you have perchance the super awesome graphic that I can cheat sheet read off of? And here we go. Yes, that's right. We have the Apex Series E Season 2 for our Apex players. That's going to happen on the last day of March, as well as the CLG Academy versus 100 Thieves Academy Proving Grounds, which is happening at 5 p.m. Pacific. So uh, not a super heavy week for all the games and whatnot, but I really appreciate the two of you guys for coming on, accepting the invitation, Sharing your experiences, all that good stuff. And I really appreciate how open you guys were. So before we say goodbye, Holly, really quick, where can these people follow you? Where can these people hear more from you?
2: Uh, I'm mostly on Twitter, so you can find me at the Holly Bible. And I tweet about a lot of things, but I love karaoke and puns. So if you like those things, I will also talk about those things.
0: Awesome. And Daniel, where can these people find you? Uh, mostly
1: tafflecans on most social media. I, too, also like puns
0: Yeah. It also, if you guys want to see some delicious, delicious food that Daniel cooks his wife, uh, you should definitely look at his, his Twitter. A lot of it is Asian food as well. So if you're into that, check it out. If you want to be very hungry and jealous, then uh, definitely give it a peek. But that is going to be all For this week in CLG, once again, really appreciate you guys for coming out here, talking about this vulnerable subject and putting it out there for the world. And yeah, thank you guys so much.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Appreciate it.